0: You're listening to Sage Spirituality, reaching back, leaning in, and seeking out a deeper experience with God with your host, Joel Margot. Welcome to another edition, our special Christmas edition of Sage Spirituality. I'm your host, Joel Marbot, and I'm so excited that you decided to come to the table with us today. And I want to focus on one of my favorite days of the year, Christmas Day. But before we do that, I just want to ask you to be a friend of Sage Spirituality and I want you to rate. I want you to share, and I also want you just to be willing to talk about word of mouth. Share it with someone. There are other people that need to come to the table in today's edition specifically because I'm going to tell you something about Santa Claus that you never, ever knew. Now, this time of the year is a time where there's smells, the, the apple cider and the stuffings and the turkeys and the hams, And the ugly sweaters and the pine trees, there's all these smells. I say the ugly sweaters because we know you keep them in mothballs underneath your bed the rest of the year. But these incredible smells that just come together and make a symphony of emotions for us, snow and cold, albeit that I'm actually doing Sage Spirituality in a t-shirt and shorts from the Amazon jungle of Ecuador, where currently it's about 95 degrees, But nonetheless, I know that most of my listening audience, you guys are bundled up, watching it snow, and drinking warm beverages, and getting ready to celebrate with friends and family. But when we talk about Christmas, we cannot talk about Christmas without talking about the Incarnation. Today's topic is the Incarnation of Jesus Christ, and I want to specifically introduce you to one of my favorite early church fathers. His name was Athanasius. And Athanasius was an incredibly gifted writer, theologian, and preacher. He was an unbelievable man of God. He was pretty opinionated and he was very open and he preached and taught and wrote really without thinking about the consequences a lot of time. He was willing to speak the truth no matter the cost Realistically, he ended up getting into spats with four different emperors and, and even, his, even his brother bishops. And in total, he was exiled five times for a total of 17 years during his time as a bishop. I want you to think about that. 17 years of exile, 17 years of being sent away from your flock simply because you refused to not tell the truth. Now, Athanasius had an archenemy, and his arch enemy was Arius. I don't want to call him an archenemy, but it, it was pretty tense. And Arius was the founder of Arianism, and Arianism is a non-Trinitarian Christological doctrine, and it asserts the belief that Jesus Christ was made by God the Father at a point in time. He may be the favored creature, the first Created, but nonetheless, the summary of Arianism is Jesus is not God. He's a created being. And you know, a modern day version of that, maybe a grandchild of that belief are the Jehovah's Witnesses. They can tell you they believe in Jesus, they believe in Jesus, but they do not believe that Jesus is part of the creating Trinity that we celebrate in the Christian tradition God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They don't believe in three and one and one and three. They believe very much so that the Father is the only creating God and that Jesus is a subordinate, if you will. Now, there was very, very heated in the first centuries of church history. Things became very heated. They were trying to understand exactly how the incarnation worked. How could it be that God, the creator, who has no beginning and no end, who absolutely has never been created, how was he born through a woman? How did he come down and take shape of a human, of one of his creatures, and how could that be? That's a difficult thing when you start chewing on it. But Athanasius, he led efforts to clarify this and it ended up, the culmination was the Council of Nicaea. Now at the Council of Nicaea, we get into some very heated debates between those who were talking for and against Jesus' deity. And I want to let you know, this is the actual title, Santa Says Knock You Out. Can you hear LL Cool J singing that song? I don't know. I'm sorry. I just can't. That was the only thing that came to my mind. Uh, you know, I'm going to knock you out. Mama says knock you out. Well, you know what? Santa says knock you out because at the Nicene Council, something pretty spectacular happened. In the middle of Arius's speech to the council, he was spewing forth his, his forth his heresies. He was spewing forth this heresy that Jesus could not be uh, the creator God, that Jesus was not on equal par with God the Father, that he was a subordinate, and he was below the deity of God the Father. And in the middle of his speech, St. Nicholas, yes, that St. Nicholas, old St. Nick, the guy who ended up becoming Santa Claus in our Western tradition, he got up in the middle of the meeting and he throat-punched, (laughs) Arius to shut him up Because he could not take it anymore He actually said And I'm quoting from Aletheia An online church history website It says And he reportedly punched Arius in the face During his speech at the council Because he couldn't let Arius Continue to propagate heresy Now that is a church meeting my friend and just think about it. That was Santa Claus. He, I'm sure he didn't have on a red hat and a red uh, cape, and he wasn't carrying a bag of goodies, and probably didn't have a, a long white beard. But nonetheless, he shut up the heresy. And a result of the Nicene Council was what we call the Nicene Creed. If you don't know that, please Google it and read it through. It's one of the most incredible documents, right after the Apostles' Creed, which is the oldest church creed that we have. We have the Nicene Creed. And when they finished, this is the summary of what they said. They said, we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, begotten from the Father. Only begotten, that is from the substance of the Father. Begotten, not made of one substance with the Father. No, it was such a tense time at Nicaea that they added kind of a closing statement just to give the the weight or the gravity of this situation when we're talking about the incarnation. And they wrote these words, they says, but as for those who say, and I'm going to put it in modern day terms, that Jesus was created by the Father, that Jesus is not of the same substance of the Father, that person is Anathematized. That means excommunicated and without hope of salvation, friends. That was written only three centuries after Jesus' resurrection. But let's go back to Athanasius. Now, Athanasius wrote a spectacular book during these debates. In the book, he wrote several books. But the main book that he wrote that was an apologetic on the birth of Christ, and I would encourage you to read it, it's a very short read, and there are modern translations that are spectacular, but the title of the book is On the Incarnation. I want to tell you how important this book was because C.S. Lewis, who's one of our favorite uh, people here on Sage Spirituality, he wrote an introduction To this book. And when he wrote the introduction, he said, When I first opened his book on the incarnation, I soon discovered I was reading a masterpiece. For only a mastermind could have written so deeply on a subject with such classical simplicity. That's a pretty heavy statement for C.S. Lewis to look back and say, This book, written 1600 years ago, is a masterpiece. But it's not only a masterpiece but it's very simplistic in the way it explains the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Now, what is the incarnation? I want to give you a biblical text that we'll kind of hang our hat on today. John chapter 1. If you just want to take John chapter 1 and read that entire chapter, it's spectacular. It's lovely. It's beautiful. But the first few verses really explain the incarnation. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now skipping forward to verse number 10, John continues, and he said, he was in the world And the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the flesh of the blood, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That is spectacular. That, my friend, is the incarnation, that Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, who was There with God on the day when he formed the earth out of nothing. The day when God spoke, he was there. He was part of the creation process. And he is in an eternal dance with God the Father and with God the Holy Spirit in complete unity. Sharing of substance, sharing of being. And isn't it an incredible story that this God came down from heaven and became a man, born in the same fashion that you and I were born, with the same needs that we had. He needed his diaper changed. He needed someone to dry his tears. He needed milk to survive. When he became a man, I'm pretty positive that in his carpenter shop, he busted his thumb a couple of times. He cut himself. He had challenging days, and there were days, I'm sure, that his furniture didn't all fit together the way it was supposed to when he was putting it together. That God the Creator came and lived among us. That is what Athanasius, that is what St. Nicholas was so vehemently defending at Nicaea. Now, from this book, I'm going to give you a couple of quotes on the Incarnation, and I'm not going to go very deep on these quotes because we just do not have the time to go very deep into this text. But a couple of my favorite quotes from the book on the Incarnation by Athanasius, one of them says, Christians, instead of arming themselves with swords... Extend their hands in prayer. Think about that. It's a pretty profound statement. We as Christians, rather than arming ourselves with swords, we should look to extend our hands in prayer. You know, prayer is our contact with God the Father. Prayer is our contact with Jesus the Son, and prayer is our contact with the Holy Spirit. Jesus taught us to pray. We've talked about that before in Sage Spirituality in a former episode. And I want to encourage you maybe to reflect on that and see if you're maintaining an intimate relationship with the Lord, putting your troubles and your cares in His hands, realizing that the greatest thing that we can do as believers is to pray. My second quote that I kind of pulled out of the book, it says the holy and inspired scriptures are sufficient of themselves for preaching of the truth. We don't need a lot of bells and whistles. We don't need a lot of smoke and mirrors. We need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine anything more incredible than God, the creator, who cannot fit in finite terms that we struggle to explain, came and was born of a virgin, lived in a physical body in the same way that you and I lived. That is a concept that is so amazing. Just the incarnation in and of itself is spectacular and well worth preaching. We don't need a lot of psychology and a lot of uh, motivational speeches wrapped around the gospel. The gospel, my friend, the scriptures, the inspired scriptures, They are sufficient. I don't know if you believe that, but I sure do, because that's been the rule in my life. Now, this is a good quote. He says, you cannot put straight in others what is warped in yourself. Wow, what an indicting statement by an incredible man of God. It's kind of like Jesus saying, why are you trying to help your brother get the speck out of his eye when you've got a plank in your own eye? How can we put straight someone else when we ourselves are warped. You know, that's something to think about at Christmas time. I know a lot of times we're around family and some of our family rub on us and they frustrate us. But rather than coming in and being judgmental, um, maybe we should look in the mirror and make sure that we're everything that we should be before we start judging other people. And who knows, maybe if we straighten ourselves out, we can help others have something to measure their life by. We can give others something that they can shoot for. That would be an amazing Christmas gift. Now, another quote. I've got two more here. Even on the cross, Jesus, he, did not hide himself from sight. Rather, he made all creation witness to the present of his maker. Now, Jesus could have chosen literally to die in any fashion, but he wanted to do it in a public way, And he specifically wanted to die on the cross in the way that he died. Number one, to fulfill prophecies but also believe and concur with Athanasius to do it in such a public manner that all the world could see its creator, its maker being crucified for their sins. There's no doubt. There's no question. That level of love is amazing. Now, the final quote, and the heaviest, the longest, the most powerful, I want you to get ready for this one. Athanasius said, The Lord did not come to make a display. He came to heal and to teach suffering men. For one who wanted to make a display, the thing would have been just to appear and dazzle the beholders. But for him who came to heal and to teach The way was not merely to dwell here, but to put himself at the disposal of those who needed him and to be manifested according as they could bear it, not vitiating or lessening the value of the divine appearing by exceeding their capacity to receive it. So what that's saying is the reason Jesus came in the flesh is so that we could wrap our head Around it, so that we can know as people who need healing and people who are suffering, we can grasp that He understands us, that we can grasp the fact that He made Himself flesh so that we could have salvation. This, my friend, is Christmas. This is the incarnation. Now, I know I said that was the last quote, but I've got to give you one more because this is the most famous quote from the whole book. It's only one sentence long, but I want you to chew on this throughout Christmas and throughout the holidays. Athanasius said, Jesus became what we are that he might make us what he is. C.S. Lewis wrote it in Mere Christianity, he reflected this this quote. Remember, he was a big fan of Athanasius. In his book, Mere Christianity, he gives a shout out to Athanasius with this quote. He says, the Son of God became man to enable men to become the sons of God. The reason Jesus, the creator of the universe, came to this earth, the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, was so that you and I can become sons of God, so that we can walk in fellowship with Him, so that we can be fulfilled and we can be healed and we can cease from our suffering Think about that. That's Christmas. That's the greatest gift that we could ever hope or imagine. That God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit would invite us to dance this amazing celestial dance that causes our lives to have purpose, that fills us with joy. That lets us have peace where there is no peace. That lets us live daily in the light of His love. That's Christmas. I want to encourage you to take this quote by Ebenezer Scrooge from my favorite Christmas movie A Christmas Carol. from the book by Charles Dickens with the same name. At the end of going through the three spirits of Christmas, at the end of much suffering Ebenezer Scrooge, he proclaims with all of his heart, I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. Let that be a challenge to us this year, friends. Let us try to live the incarnation every day of our life. Christmas is Jesus coming in the flesh. Let us honor that and let us live that. Let us live with the same passion that Athanasius, that St. Nicholas, that even Ebenezer Scrooge have shown when they understood the true meaning of Christmas. God, the creator of the universe, became flesh. Our prayer for you this year at Christmas, during these holidays, is that the power of the resurrection and the unbelievable fellowship of the saints would be yours. We thank you for being a part of our Sage Spirituality family, and we want to let you know that we're praying for you. I want to let you know that in just two weeks... We are going to be having a special year-end podcast. You guys are not going to want to miss it. We're going to talk about new beginnings. And then in January, we're going to start back with our normal podcast episodes. Now, I want to remind you, do me a Christmas favor. Rate this. Share it. Subscribe. God bless you guys, and Merry Christmas.